You are listening to the Live Diet Free Podcast. I'm your host, Esther Avant, personal trainer, sports nutritionist, and weight loss coach. I'm here to help you lose weight for the last time without sacrificing your quality of life to do it. So pop your headphones in, go for a walk, and learn how to become the healthiest, happiest, and most confident version of yourself. Welcome back to the Live Diet Free Podcast. I'm super excited for today's guest, Courtney Boyer. You are going to learn a lot. And we're going to be talking about sex. So number one, hopefully, hopefully you can tell that from the episode of this, uh, the title of this episode, but just giving you a warning that if you have kids in the car, I don't know, maybe you want to keep them in the car. Maybe you're a very uh, open family, but just a warning that there will be talk of sex throughout this episode. Um, so Courtney is a relationship and sexuality expert trained as a mental health and sex therapist. As well as life, as well as life coach. And she's the author of a book called Not Tonight, Honey, Why Women Actually Don't Want Sex and What We Can Do About It. So that right there is what we are going to focus on. Courtney, thank you so much for joining us. Just to give our listeners kind of some background on you. Why don't you tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself, both, you know, career and then who you are outside of work? Sure. Yeah. So first, thank you so much, Esther, for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to serve your audience. Um, let's see. So a little bit about me. I grew up in Seattle, Washington, about, well, just about south of Seattle, um, in a pretty conservative evangelical Christian community. Um, I grew up in the church and was never really taught about sex other than it's dirty and you don't talk about it. And, uh, and wait for marriage. And if you don't wait for marriage, then you're going to have big problems. Um, and I really did. I thought like people who had sex before they were married lacked self-control and there were just really bad people. And if I just saved myself, then God would bless me with this amazing sex life and marriage. And I'd want it all the time and write the happily ever after. So, um, I ended up falling in love with sexuality in college, just the study of it, of psychology, of, you know, why people are motivated. And, uh, and I really wanted to be part of the solution that the church was not offering, uh, and really, you know, elevate that, that conversation around sexuality. So I went and got a master's in education in human sexuality, and I worked as a sexuality educator for a little while. And then from there, I went to, um, got another master's in mental health counseling and was able to open a mental health and sex therapy practice, worked with couples and individuals and really just, uh, found myself dealing with a lot of this or facing a lot of the same, you know, issues with clients of I, what's wrong with me. Am I broken? You know, my husband wants you to fix me. Even when I went to go talk to mom groups, uh, you know, just uh, more like, casual, you know, 45 minute, like talk on like how to, you know, hack your sex life or how to, you know, increase intimacy in your marriage. I still had these women who felt so broken come up to me. And just over the years, I finally decided to, you know, compile those experiences and the research and, and decided to write a book about it <laughs> to try to help, you know, really make this conversation important because, you know, a lot of times people are like, what's the big deal? Like, it's just sex. Like, okay, like get over it. And, and what I don't think that, you know, women especially realize is how much we sacrifice ourselves, and how much when we sacrifice our pleasure and we sacrifice our desires that we lose out on so much and, you know, the people around us lose out on so much. And so I really am passionate about having this conversation about, desire and pleasure and all things sexuality. 
Oh, good. And uh, Courtney and I were connecting before we hit record. She is a uh, from a military family as well, stationed in Germany. So um, I can actually I can see the roof of a building in the background. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that looks like Germany. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I'm so I, I don't like I feel bad because I'm at my son's foosball practice right now because like, you know, it's Germany and all they do is play foosball here. It feels like at least my son does. So I'm like, yes, I will. I will be a mom and be a, a badass, you know, business. Yeah. Woman. I love that. That really is the the perfect example. That is what it looks like. You, yep. you squeeze things in uh, where you can. Yeah, that's right. So before we get into the kind of the meat and potatoes of the episode, as you were talking about your background, I have a question that um, I'm going to kind of spring on you. I'm sure something will come to mind. Oh, please what, do. What do you wish people knew about sexuality that when you interact with kind of the the masses, you feel like we just don't really know? That's a great question. I think the first thing that comes to mind is that everything that you've seen in media is a lie. Like that is, I think if, if I could tell somebody one thing, like, what's portrayed in porn was portrayed in romantic movies. Like it's so it's a lie. It is not accurate. And so, you know, so often I, I have women who really, they bought the Disney fairy tale story and they're like, but I did all the right things. And like, I'm laying here and I'm dressing sexy and I'm doing, and, and, the, and they're like, I'm not enough. I, there's something wrong with me. Like I can't, I tell you how many times I've heard that those statements. And so if, if they, if the masses could know that there is so much misinformation out there on how a woman's body works on how it responds on sexual desire, like, gosh, that would be the biggest thing that I would want them to take away. I love that. I think that's a, that's a great one. Are you familiar with the book? Come as you are. Yes. Oh, so good. Emily is amazing. Oh, I love her. She's amazing. That was recommended in a, like a mom Facebook group that I was in. And I read it. I I do a monthly, I do a book review for the podcast. And I went back and forth about reviewing that one for the podcast. They still might. Actually, this this episode might inspire me to do it. But um, if you guys are interested in this topic and what we talk about with Courtney by her book and by Come As You Are, it's really so enlightening. And yes. I think one of the things that, that we may well get into here is the concept of having sort of um, breaks and um, what was the what was the opposite of breaks? Like the the accelerant, I yes. guess. Yeah. Uh, the, ga- yeah. the, the, the gas accelerator, right. either one. Yes. Yep. Um, and that you know when you were talking about the the media sort of portrayal of sex and sexuality is so yeah. wrong, you know, in, inaccurate. Um, one of the things that really struck me was how much beyond like the actual physical act of sex there is, and yes. I think. Yep. Especially for busy working moms where one of the things you talk about on, um, on your website is sex just feeling like one more thing on the to-do list. Absolutely. And that I think that a lot of us listening can relate to that. And I think the understanding that everything that's happening outside of the bedroom and outside of the act of sex is playing a role in how much desire you have for it, how much pleasure you get from it. And when you sort of zoom out more and realize, oh yeah, well, if I'm not feeling connected to my partner or if I'm not feeling appreciated, or if I feel like everything is defaulting to me, of course, that's playing a role in making it seem more like a chore than something pleasurable. Yep. A hundred percent. Yes. Okay. So let's start with where a lot of our listeners are, which is, I don't really want to. Like, yeah. yeah, I do it. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. But overall, like I could take it or leave it. Yep. 
why is that? How have we found ourselves in that position? Because we don't prioritize pleasure. Like that is the, I mean, if you, if you could sum it up in a sentence, that is really what it is. We do not, especially as women, we do not prioritize pleasure. Pleasure is seen as a distraction. It is seen as a reward. It is not seen as a way of life. And so we are doing everything we can to survive, sometimes to thrive. We are, we have got to-do lists a mile long. We are doing all of the things and we are exhausted because we are not doing enough things that bring us joy. And then we wonder why we're depleted and resentful and not in the mood to do anything or be touched. That's why. Fascinating. That's such a succinct way to to say it. And you're right. And it extends so much beyond sex as well, that anything that feels enjoyable does feel like it has to be reserved for like once everything else is taken care of. And then and and only then but all the other stuff never gets taken care of so yep. there's just never the the opportunity to to unplug to do fun fun stuff to connect all that all that stuff i mean even think about it around how we like look at food you know like okay you have to do the gross thing the bad thing and eat your vegetables first right i mean like just the way that we're set up is we it's almost like we have to do the punishing things first or or we see we put put value like good or bad on certain things as opposed to like making everything an enjoy not an enjoyable experience but making it an essential experience like Okay, maybe like broccoli is not my favorite, but I know that it fuels my body. And that makes me feel good to know that this broccoli is like giving me the B vitamins or whatever I need to go like crush it and, you know, crush my yoga class or get up with my newborn at 2 a.m. or whatever. But we don't, we, it, we, we tend to get so focused on the drudgery and the, uh, and like, I got to do this. I got to watch what I eat. I got to, you know, like, I'm just, well, uh, and then sometimes, sometimes if I'm, if I'm good enough, I'll get a reward. I'll get dessert. Oh, you know. Fascinating. I love the the food comparison. <laughs> um, there's, there's so much truth to that, just how much black and white thinking we have about all sorts of things. And we just yeah. kind of categorize this is good. This is bad. This is, you know, um, black and white. I love the, the reframe. We talk about that a ton in coaching of the way you're thinking about something is what's causing you to feel a certain way about it. And that then determines kind of where you go from there, the actions that you take. So we talk about it often with the act of tracking your food. If you're telling yourself it's this like really time-consuming, laborious, you know, busy work that you have to do, you're going to resent it. You're not going to do it well. It's not going to actually be useful. If you reframe it as like, this is a useful tool that's helping me accomplish a goal that's important to me and that I'm going to do temporarily to learn what I need to then maintain successfully without it, you feel much differently about it. And I can absolutely see how when you kind of use that same reframe thinking about sex where, okay, it's not just like this thing I have to do, but more so like, what, what does it represent to you? Is this a way for you to connect to your, you know, connect with your partner? Is this a way for you to just, you know, enjoy what, what you're doing? Um, that really can help you feel differently about it. Yes. One of my favorite questions to have people ask, and I would love your listeners to do this, is what is the kind of sex that is worth having? What is the kind of sex that is worth having? And knowing the answer to that 
will really start to um, guide and influence the type of behaviors and the types of thoughts that they're having leading up to being intimate with their partner. Fascinating. Okay. I want to, well, let me, let's just, let me just go with what's okay. coming. Sorry, I didn't mean we'll... to interrupt your train of thought. I no, 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 no. That's, that's a okay. great, a great segue into communication. And then we okay. can go back to, to um, the topic of, of body image. So, okay. okay. I am asking myself, what is the kind of sex worth having? I have an answer and I feel like that involves a conversation with my partner to make right. sure that that is the the sex that we have. Yes. That feels awkward. How do I broach that subject? Maybe we've never talked about sex before. Maybe I am asking for something that um, I've never expressed interest in before or that I'm not sure he's comfortable with or just kind of, for, I think for a lot of people, and especially you mentioned growing up in this, you know, religious conservative background, a lot of people don't feel comfortable talking about sex, even with their sexual partners. So 100%. how do we start having those conversations? Yeah. So one, I want to normalize that, that so many couples who have been married for years and years, they've witnessed childbirth together, like they've experienced, I mean, just so many things. They don't know how to converse about it. They don't know how to talk about what they want. It feels super duper awkward. So I don't want to pretend like, you know, just pretend just act like you're asking for, you know, like, Hey, did you uh, catch, you know, the Seahawks game? Like, do you mind going down on me later? You know, like it's <laughs> not, obviously those aren't normal things that most people are used to having. So one, I would say embrace the awkwardness. It's going to feel real weird at first, but I think that the problem that a lot of women don't overcome first is that they don't believe that they are deserving of the good sex or the the kind of sex that they're wanting. So then they don't know how to confidently communicate that to their partners. So when we feel uncomfortable or we feel unsure or uncertain about something, that contributes to the awkwardness. But think about the last time you felt really confident about something like, man, I know like that I really want to do this. I really want to get this. I really want to achieve this. You're confident in how you bring up that conversation, even if you've never really talked about it before. But if you don't believe that you are deserving of good things and you're already uncomfortable with the topic, it's going to go really bad. Isn't it interesting how much (laughs) comes back to our self-worth and our belief in ourselves? I feel like... No matter what topic I talk about on this podcast, it ends up coming back to that. Yes. And, uh, and I'm sure it's very annoying. For, for I know, right? like, I can never that. avoid myself. <laughs> um, okay. So I feel like we're, we're, we're still winding, but I want to go with it. So okay. somebody hears us having this conversation, saying these words. Okay. Yes. I, you know, I don't feel deserving. She hit the nail on the head. But how do I start feeling deserving? I'm 45 years old. I can't remember a time I've ever felt that way. So yeah. what does it look like to change that? Yeah, I, there's a client story that I talk about in the book where this is the exact case. And what I did is I wrote out a permission slip for for my client and said, if you need a permission slip for pleasure, here it is. And that's really what we have to do. That I believe that that is our first step is giving ourselves permission for pleasure to say, I I don't feel it yet, but I know that I deserve it. 
And I'm going to give my permission, myself permission to explore what that looks like. So good. If you guys listen to the episode with Danielle Vaughn, um, she wrote the book, uh, Get Your Life Together, Girl. And that is her first step as well, is the self-permission. Yes. And um, that that a lot of what we struggle with begins with just feeling like we shouldn't or like we're not allowed to. And that sometimes, whether it's from yourself or from the you know, person you're working with, like a coach, to just have somebody say, in so many words, you have permission. It is okay yes. to, you know, to do this thing, to pursue this thing. That yes. can really kind of open you up to like, whew, okay, so I'm not being a rule breaker. I'm not being a rebel. I'm because I think a lot of women in this position are would would identify as like people pleasers and perfectionists and never wanting to like do anything wrong or upset anyone. And there's probably some fear there that if I express these desires or ask for what I want, I'm going to upset somebody. So giving yourself that permission right off the bat of like, this is okay, I think can can clear a lot of that mental baggage. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to body image for a minute and then we'll go into sort of the more of the steps to like get to for the first time or get back to having a sex life that that you enjoy a lot of women listening to this podcast are wanting to lose weight and aren't feeling super comfortable in their bodies Mm -hmm. and that plays a big role in their desire to have sex when i do consults with with potential clients one of the things that comes up pretty much on every call with a with a woman who is in a relationship is I'm not really having any sex. I don't want to. I know it's taking a toll on my marriage that, you know, not just like the way I'm feeling about myself and acting towards other people, but also that like I don't want my husband to see me naked. I don't want to have anything to do with him. Um so I think sometimes we think, well, when I get to whatever weight loss goal, then I'll feel good in my body and then I'll want to have sex. And hopefully, if you have listened to multiple episodes of this podcast, you know that nothing magically changes at a certain 100%. weight on the scale. The magic is in the process that you take to get there and the person that you become along the way. So yes. telling yourself, well, in 50 pounds, I'll, you know, I'll be, I'll be jumping his bones. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Like maybe, but probably not. Probably you're going to have another thing. Then it's going to be, you know, right. I'm worried about my loose skin or that oh, my 100%. boobs are saggy or whatever. There's always going to be a yep. thing that uh, that you're stressing over. So what do we do about this insecurity of not liking our bodies or fearing? And I think that that really is it. Most women will say, you know, my husband loves me no matter the size. He's never said anything negative about my body. It's not that we're worried that he's going to see you naked and be like, Oh, cover up. Right, right. It's really, it's all about, you know, how we're feeling. So how yeah. do we start to feel better and more confident about ourselves, even at, you know, a size bigger than we want to be or a body that isn't what we would prefer? Yeah. So there's a couple of approaches. One of the things that I, first came to mind was a lot of what I see with women, especially with those who struggle with weight issues and body body image issues is this idea of safety. And so they don't feel safe in their body. And so trying to explain to them that I need you to become your most vulnerable by taking off your clothes and like allowing yourself to relax enough to have an orgasm seems like you're telling them to go like walk on the moon. Like it just, 
like you're, you're insane. That's not going to happen. And so one of the things that I work on with my clients and I talk about in the book too, is, is how to create a sense of safety in yourself and how to have that relationship with yourself, because there is no magic number. There is no perfect boob size. I have worked with clients who are like literal, literal actual models. They are gorgeous. Like as most humans would think, And I have worked with normal stay at home moms who feel, you know, who consider themselves morbidly obese, like all the people in between and they, they all have the same insecurities. They all feel the same. So they're, and you know, people are like, no way, there's no way that those gorgeous people can think that. And everybody, right. will find what you said. They'll find a thing. So what is super important is to find like, why am, why is my brain what part of me is trying to keep me safe and what is it trying to protect me from? And once we make peace with that, and once we acknowledge that part of us that feels scared, that's afraid of rejection, that's feels like we're not enough, whatever that is, then that's when we can start to move towards the kind of sex and towards the kind of body and towards the kind of life that really feels oh juicy and pleasurable. If you're enjoying this episode, I want to invite you to join us in our coaching program, Gone for Good. Gone for Good is our signature 12-week coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your weight loss and health goals inevitable. Our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise and nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. With both group and one-on-one options, we have a Gone for Good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after. Whether you want to lose 5 pounds, 50 pounds, or 150 pounds, we can help you in Gone for Good. For all the info and to join, go to estheravant.com slash coaching. That makes a lot of sense. I think I'm really surprised by how many parallels there are between sex and food and yes, how I know. <laughs> much of this I have talked about in um in the in the food context and how seamlessly it just transfers over and yeah. it's just so interesting that like I was saying everything kind of seems to boil down to the same few yeah. issues <laughs> and it's like it's not the ones we want them to be we want them to be this very straightforward this very exactly. easy like here is the solution. And instead yeah. we're saying like, you got to do the the reflecting and the soul searching and the introspection. Yeah. Um, but what I think is really cool about that is like, imagine how many different aspects of your life will be improved just from doing those things. Like we resist it. We don't want to like do the journaling or we don't want to go to therapy or whatever. But think about if you, if, if the same root issues are, then kind of causing all of the the challenges that you're facing. And you're trying to play whack-a-mole, trying to deal with this one and that one and that one and feeling you like you can never catch a break. And it's like, if you just went deeper and yes. addressed the root, yes. all that other stuff would take care of itself. 100%. So yeah. If you've ever felt resentful or like doing this inner work isn't worth it, it really is because it it's is. going to help improve everything. It does. Yes. Okay. So when, when we're talking about why, why women actually don't want sex, we've talked about just kind of the, the culture of not prioritizing pleasure. We've talked about related body image issues. Are there any other kind of major categories that you feel like contribute to our our lack of desire? Yeah. I mean, I'd say religious shame is a big one too. Um, When you grow up in a community where sex is, 
not discussed. There's a lot of misinformation. And so then it, you know, um, am I doing it right? I'm not responding the way that I think I'm supposed to. There's a lot of pressure like, well, you need to keep your husband happy because then he'll go stray if you don't. And so then it's like, then you're having sex out of fear. I think that there's a lot of fear that comes from a lot of the shame that's promoted, whether overtly or covertly in a lot of the religious communities. That's a great one. That's not one that I have any personal experience with, but we've worked with some clients who have that sort of upbringing. And again, it's it's kind of permeated everything, how how you you live every aspect of your life. Um, If someone listening does recognize that that sort of religious shame is at play here, would you recommend therapy, life coaching? Is there anything in particular for like that, um, that component specifically? Yeah, I think it depends on how deep rooted it is. Um, you know, I, I'm a trained therapist and a trained coach. So for me, like it's, you know, uh, I'm able to, to work with both. But if you are like, have like big T trauma, like just lots of deep seated, lots like uh, experience, exposure to abuse, physical, emotional, whatever, absolutely go get with a therapist. If you find yourself that it was more of like, uh, I don't know, like it's bothered me and I can see how that's influenced the way that I'm thinking, but it's not like a big T trauma. I think coaching is a great option. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of both, you know, it, but not everybody has the, the ability to, to work with both at the same time. So that that's kind of my guidance on that. That's helpful. Thank you. And I agree. I think I know several therapist coaches and it just seems like such a no brainer to me to work with somebody who has sort of like that full spectrum of skills. Yeah. All right. So the title of your book, why women actually don't want sex and what we can do about it. So let's talk about that. And and I know we've, we've kind of sprinkled some of that stuff in as we've been talking, but let's kind of lay out some tips for where our listeners can go from here. You understand now that there's sort of several things at play affecting your lack of desire and you want now to prioritize your pleasure more. Yes. How do we actually start doing that? Yeah. So one of the things that I uh, talk about in the book is uh, starting a pleasure practice. And this doesn't have to be sexual. Um, When I work with clients one-on-one, I encourage them to have something that's sexual and non-sexual. But really, if you are new to the whole pleasure arena, pleasure can be anything that brings you joy, that lights you up, that makes you happy. And so I try to start getting clients to pay attention to those little things, those little moments in life. Um, I think I have a friend that calls it like the what made you smile moments. So the things like is starting small, like, man, that cup of coffee in the morning, it just, when I really stop to breathe it in, ah, like I can't not smile. I can't not smile. Or when I listen to my kids laughing, like if I really just stop, stop what I'm doing, even if I'm holding a basket full of laundry and I listen to them laughing, it makes me smile. And that is about, that is a pleasure practice, right? Is being intentional about paying attention to the things in this life that bring you joy and starting to incorporate more of them and multiplying them so that you feel like, man, my life is really full of pleasure. And and a lot of it is already there. We just have to pay attention to it. I love that. I read a lot of psychology and 
I'm, I think it's so interesting, the sort of negativity bias that we have yeah. naturally oh, yeah. that comes from a yeah. place of survival. It's like, hey, we Absolutely. need to be vigilant because we want to make sure that we don't get blindsided by a tiger or exactly. you know, things yeah. like that. And I think it's so, so important to normalize that there's nothing wrong with you if your brain goes to the negative first. That is an evolutionary response. We Absolutely. all do it. And there's it's not a problem. And also, we can work on shining the spotlight more on the positive. And that's really, that's really what it is, is turning your head instead of, you know, having kind of these, these blinders on where all you see is the stuff you have to do and, and where you're failing and, and the negative, the threats, the, the fears. And you just start like, you know, turning to the side and seeing, yeah, I love the sound of my kids laughter. This, meal is really delicious. Mm. I am so happy sitting here next to my husband watching our son play foosball. Yeah. Those moments are happening. Yeah. We just don't pay attention to them. hundred percent. Again, another another parallel from weight loss is we talk about keeping the scale in its place mm. and how it's so easy to just focus on it didn't move enough or it went up or whatever. And we encourage clients to keep a non-scale victory list. And throughout yes. the day, throughout the week, notice all of those small things. I was able to zip my boots up more easily than I have before. Yes. I was able to bend over and tie my shoe without feeling like my belly was in the way. All yes. of those small things that are happening and are positive and are signs that what you're doing is working and that there's, you know, good in your life and good in the world. We just need to practice being yes. more aware of them. And exactly. like with anything, as you practice, it gets easier. And instead of it feeling like this very intentional, like, okay, like what's something that made me smile today? Like, I don't know, exactly. nothing. You start to notice them more easily and in more in the moment and more frequently. And I would imagine then that that sort of starts to shift your overall outlook yes. and perception of your life is like you're, you're better balancing the, the good and the, the bad. Yes, absolutely. So good. Okay. So start a pleasure practice. That's good. Yes. We'll do that. What's next? Um, so then the next thing, what, what was the original question? How do you eat? What do we do about it? Is yeah. that what you're? Yeah. <clears throat> I think deciding what it is that you, want like what do I want sexually like what do the what are the things that like really feel good what don't feel good and sometimes people like what we just talked about you know it's easy to identify the opposite oh I don't like it when if we're in this position I don't like the smell of this I don't like using that awesome okay if you have to make a list that's totally fine but find the things that you like and again it goes back to the permission give myself permission to explore those things from a non-judgmental perspective from a perspective of curiosity. Why am I so adverse to the idea of using a toy? Why am I so adverse to the idea of using a blindfold or watching certain shows or reading certain things or like, where do, where does that come from? And it, there absolutely are some people are like hard, like, nope, I think it's morally wrong. I think whatever, that's fine. But I always encourage clients to like, if the sec, the current sex that you're having is not that great, like, how can we make it better? What are the things that we can add? But then also, what are the things that we can take away so that you feel like, hey, I cannot get it on when there's a, a basket full of laundry in my room. Awesome. Okay. So that means, right. And this goes back to the brakes and gas that we talked about earlier. Um, that means that we need to like get the laundry done first. 
great way to have your partner be a part of setting your your sex life up for success. Hey, if you know that I need this to do this, let's make that happen. Like I have a, a girlfriend, she has four boys and her husband has a much higher sex drive than she does. And she stays at home with them and she is exhausted and is just like, dude, I am done at the end of the day. And so she made an agreement with him and said, <clears throat> if you want to have sex with me at the end of the day, and I, you want me to want to also, I need you to put the boys to bed. So every night, that's their agreement. And he will put the boys, hap- he happily puts the boys to bed because he knows he's going to get some. <laughs> and she gets her time to relax. She'll take a bath. She'll shave. She'll do whatever she wants because she knows that that fills her up. She gets her time. Mentally, she gets in the mood that she needs to, and then she gets to connect with her partner. I love that. I was mm-hmm. several things. <laughs> One of the things <laughs> I got it down was how can we make it better? And another thing we coach on very often is that you can either have excuses or you can have solutions. Oh, yes. Great. Oh, the my gosh. Time you so spend much. with one is time taken away from the other. Yes. So yes, it's yes. so prevalent, I feel like, especially among other women in similar situations in Facebook groups, when you have the, the occasional, you know, girls night out to just kind of dwell on, let's all just bitch together. Let's all whine about how our husbands don't do anything and, you know, whatever, whatever. It's so easy to get stuck in that and to feel then stuck. Well, this is just how it's always been. It's how it's always going to be. It's just part of it. Either I fend him off for as long as I can, and then I begrudgingly do it or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. To stop with that and to ask yeah. yourself, how can I make it better? Because you're really never stuck. There's always yeah. something that you can do and try and, and talk about and experiment. And I love that you then went into the stuff beyond sex. Cause I feel like the, oh, yeah. the, the original question of, you know, what is the, what is the kind of sex worth having? Yes. Yes. That is about the sex itself. But yes. the first thing that came to my mind was I don't want it to feel like this rushed, like haphazard, mm. obligatory thing. Correct. Yeah. That's not about the the actual sex at all. Like I think what probably most of us say is like, well, I want to get off. So like yeah. that's the kind of sex. Like how that however that happens, like that would be good. Yeah. Um, but that the other related stuff, the laundry is is a big player. So don't like pigeonhole yourself into like, what position do I want it to be in? Or what, you know, what am I wearing? Like, sure. Think about that stuff, but also think about like the, the circumstances around it, the environment, because I've noticed that it's a lot easier for me to be into it when oh, my dad's not listening to this. You should have turned this off a long time ago if you are. Hey, dad. But, <laughs> um, but I've noticed that like when we travel and when we're somewhere where the, like the room is unfamiliar. I don't have any ties to it. Mm. It's much easier to relax. Whereas yeah. if we're in our house with our stuff, if I don't have my eyes closed, all I'm doing is thinking like I'm staring at the wall and I'm thinking like, oh, I have to do this later and this didn't get done. And we like this better finish up fast because I got to get this, you know, get dinner started or whatever. So yeah. those other things, like thinking about what the the breaks to, to use um, that term again, like what are the the surrounding things that make me either want to or not want to and then having that conversation even if it's awkward and i know it it might sound like you're sort of having this transactional of like okay well i'm going to withhold sex unless you do these things for me but that's not what what we're talking right. about it's more so 
we, you want this. I want to want it. And I'm learning more about the reasons that I don't. So in order for us to, to be in this together, and it's going to be better for both of us if, if we're in it together and I, and I also want it. And these, these are the things that are impacting me. So what you can do is less, you know, in the bedroom and more leading up to it. That will help me then feel like I can relax enough to be a part of this with you. Amen. Yes. This is, this is (laughs) so good. This is so good. Um, I love it so much. Okay. Is there anything else? We've got a pleasure practice. We have the kind of how can I make this better that we just talked about? Is there anything else that you feel like is really important in kind of the actionable steps? Yeah, I think just, um, I really want women to understand that like so much of the baggage that they carry is not theirs. And, and I talk about that in the first part of the book. It's like, why can't, why am I like this? You know, why, why can't I just relax? Like, why can't I just be like my husband? And like, who cares if there's laundry there? And it's because you are dealing with like millions of micro and macro messaging and the f- over years, your decades. And so I just, I want women to acknowledge, to understand that, that like, it's not as easy for a lot of women to just be like, what, like, just like, what's the big deal? You know, it's, it's hard. So that, that's one of the things I really want to emphasize. (laughs) Yeah. That's such a good one. Yeah. You're right. Because we do tend to single ourselves out and think it's something wrong with me. And especially when you, you know, get on social media and maybe see, yeah. Yeah, we just, even if you don't know, you just assume, oh, you know, they probably have an active sex life or, you know, I'm, and (laughs) it is, I (laughs) think. They probably don't actually. They probably probably don't. don't. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it it is just so important to realize that nothing is happening in a vacuum, that there are all of these different inputs that we're not even aware of. Oh, yes. That are affecting us. And that kind of going back to something we talked about before, of like excuses versus solutions. Either you can listen to this and decide to be bitter. It's so unfair that women, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And sure, it is. Absolutely. But also, you do have agency over your life and your thoughts and your choices. And if you're not happy with this aspect or any of your any aspect of your life, there are so many things that you can do to make yes. it better. So that's, that's you know, those things help explain how we've ended up here. And now you yes. get to decide, do I want to stay here and just kind of wallow in that? Or do I want to say, well, all right, that is what it is. And yes. here's what I'm going to do for me. Yes. hundred percent. So good. Okay. You guys, I will put the link to this book in the show notes. You should absolutely, I'm going to order a copy right now. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> and I'm actually by the time this goes live, hopefully I will have a, a release date. I just wrote a book as well. Um, so those of you oh who gosh, do, congratulations. thank you. Um, so those of you who do buy Courtney's book, leave a review wherever you buy it from. Yes, leave a review. It's a big deal. It makes a big difference it to does. the author. Thank you. Both, both just on like a, a micro scale of like, hey, a human being bought this and it helped yes. them and what I'm doing makes yes. a difference. But yes. also, you know, on the larger scale of... It leads cred- lends credibility. It yes. helps with with all sorts of things. It, it's a very small thing you can do that really helps support um, authors in that way. So, 
that's something that was never on my radar until I started learning more about the industry. So yes. I want to make sure that, uh, Thank you. that we, yeah, of course. Um, Courtney, this has been amazing. I'm so oh. grateful for your time and your expertise. Thank I you. know that our listeners will have benefited from this episode and you might want to listen to it and, and take notes if you were previously <laughs> driving or doing laundry or whatever. Yeah. Where can our listeners, and I'll put these links in the show notes as well, um, but where can we find you on social media? Yes. So I'm at Courtney Boyer Coaching. So that's Courtney, like C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y. Boyer is B as in boy, O-Y-E-R, coaching. Uh, the Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all of the places uh, is where I'm at. And yeah, I would love to, if you if you read it, if you have questions, like reach out. I also uh, love, love when book clubs read this book or when small groups, like I've had life groups from churches. Um, I've had couples groups, like ask me to come and I, to- I do it for free. I've just come and guest star as the author and facilitate a discussion because I really am so passionate about elevating this conversation around women's sexuality and desire and pleasure. That is so cool. We've had, we've like dabbled in a book club with our client community and I love the idea of that. So I'm going to go pose that to to our group. Um, Maybe we'll do a a fall session because that would be a really cool way. What we always kind of struggle with is like, you know, we read it at like kind of different paces and then there's like no sort of like finality. Um, so it'd yeah. be really cool to know, okay, we're going to talk to the author. We're going to get questions answered. Um, I love that idea. And that's so generous yes, of you to do. Absolutely. Yes, I, I, I really do. I, I have done it at like 2 a.m. My time and my husband's like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't care. Like we need to have this conversation and these people, they want to have it now and they're on the West Coast and I'm in Germany. I don't care. So that, yeah. yeah. I can very much uh, relate to yeah. that and and talk about being passionate about what you do and knowing yeah. that your message is important to just feel like time is what what is time? I will get up in the middle of the night because I know that I'm helping, you know, these women improve their lives, which then yeah. has that spillover effect into the lives that they touch and yada yada. You are doing amazing work. Like I said, I'm so grateful to have had you. Thank, Thank you guys you. for tuning in and I'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Live Diet Free Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've listened to them all, I appreciate you being here. One way you can help this podcast succeed is to subscribe, rate, and review it. If you don't mind doing those things, I would love to thank you with a copy of our Weekend Survival Guide designed to help you have weekends you enjoy that don't set you back from reaching your goals. Just send a screenshot of your review to admin at estheravant.com and we'll send it over. And don't forget to check out estheravant.com slash coaching for all the info about our Gone for Good coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your health and weight loss goals inevitable. Our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise and nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. With both group and one-on-one options, we have a Gone for Good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every, every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after.